Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. morning. Uh, pretty excited today, even though I got the flu. Um, we are actually videoing this, and it looks like a Samsung iPhone. Not iPhone. Is it a Samsung? What is it? Apple. Apple. Apple iPhone, the big one. So we're, we're filming this off a big Apple, uh, the, the large one, which is pretty cool. Like, So uh, we're not paying like film crews and that sort of stuff. That's the new way of doing things. Uh, sitting on that little tripod right there in front of me. I hope the quality's Okay. For everybody to see. So today we're going to launch Eagle's Nest. That that's our equivalent to the Shark Tank. Well, I would hardly say equivalent. Actually, it's our contrast to the Shark Tank. And uh, we've got two great pitches to come in today, and we'll talk about them shortly. And uh, they're both going to pitch to me, uh, bearing in mind this is part of a, a ten-part series over a twenty-week period. So it's a you know it's a long time. We're going to actually pick a winner out of that. We're going to give them ten grand. Number of things are going to happen. Along the way, hopefully we can encourage them, we can mentor them, we can help them, um, build them up and try and get them on the road to making an absolute fortune for themselves. This week's top five. Okay, uh, just on global news, obviously the the Greek crisis is a big issue. Um, two things I wanted to touch on today is uh, the net effect of the Greek crisis to Australia. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing I wanted to touch on is uh, there's been some uh, papers and or um, hypothesis put out there about Australian house prices, and I want to quickly touch on that. That's come out of the Treasury. So first and foremost, in relation to the Greek crisis, um, there's no better person in the world, in the world I'm saying, to listen to in relation to how the Greek crisis will affect Australia, and that's our revered Reserve Bank Governor, Glenn Stevens. He said it's going to have a minimal effect. Um, I can see that the, uh, the Treasurer has echoed the Reserve Bank Governor's um, thoughts on this. It will have minimum, minimum effect because Australia has little exposure, if anything, to Greece. Now, that doesn't mean, he said, that it won't have a contagion effect around the world and affect people's confidence in markets and therefore share prices might be down for a while, etc. Um, and it could have some effect on capital flows for the future, but... It's not a global crisis. This is a Greek crisis. The Greek uh, economy is a very small part of the European economy, um, and the European economy has very little bearing on the Australian economy. Australian, Australia mostly deals with Asia and the US. It has a very small exposure to Europe. So 
all in all, it should not have a major effect on Australia. It's going to be more like the sentiment will have an effect on things like macro, things like share markets, etc., and people will start to panic. Uh, so, you know, hold on, hold your horses and just relax. Take it easy. Just step it out. Don't do anything silly. Don't go and panic. Uh, doesn't mean you should ra- race off to Greece now and try and buy a house, which I've heard people are doing. Um, probably go and have a good holiday there. It's probably a good idea. Um, and go and enjoy what's going on in the place, but make sure you play, take euros in the form of cash because you won't be able to get out of the bank. Um Greece is more a political issue than anything else. This is about politics. This is about the Greeks standing up to the Germans and the Germans saying to the Greeks, you've done the wrong thing, you've got to be more austere in the way you run your economy. It's the Greeks saying to the Germans, don't tell us what to do and you've been telling us what to do since World War II. That's what it is. That's the bottom line. It goes back in history. Um, nothing we can do about that. We can just sit back and observe, have a giggle or have a cry or empathise or whatever the hell we want to do, but overall it's not going to affect us. Um, in terms of house prices, um, an interesting um, article and or, and or um, debate came out this week. Um, there was a parliamentary inquiry into home ownership um, and it says, and the outcome says that Treasury says that despite rising house prices, buying a property is still as affordable as previous decades. Um, Jenny Wilkinson, the acting Deputy Secretary of Treasury's macroeconomic group, says that there was a perception of housing affordability become worse in recent years, but the figures showed it remained fairly stable across Australia. Bottom line is I don't agree with her. Um, if I'm looking at house prices in Sydney, the uh, house price to income ratios are getting quite high. There is a measure, forget about what they're all saying, okay? This is the only thing you need to know. Have a look at the average Sydney income or wages. In other words, what does an average person in Sydney earn? Um, and if you can somehow extrapolate, what does an average person in the region of Sydney you're trying to buy and earn? And look at that as a ratio to the average price in that area. So if that average income, sorry, if that average house price is more than six times the average wage, then the price ratio is out of of kilter. So the general view is, the general view of any asset class, doesn't matter what the asset class is, doesn't matter whether it's shares or property or whatever, the general view is, Somewhere between five and seven times the asset price should not be be more than five to seven times the average income of the class of people that buy it. So in Sydney, that's around eight nine percent at the moment. Um, parts of Queensland, it's much lower. Parts of Victoria, it's around seven percent. In Perth, it's around the other way. It's about five percent. So, so it's what's uh, five times I should say. What's really important here is to get this ratio right. So. You know, if you're looking in, um, I'll give you a good example. If you're looking at buying a house in uh, Mossman, to make a ridiculous example, not many people buy them, but if you buy a house in Mossman, the house price in Mossman, let's say the average price is $2 million. Well, there's no way in the world that the average income in Mossman is, uh, what's one, uh, what's five times that, uh, one twentieth of $2 million, $100,000. It's not, it's not going to be the average income. So that tells you that the price-to-income ratio in Mossman is too high. Now, that's a sort of specialised example. Let's take it now to Burwood. If the average house price in Burwood is a million bucks, then it says that the average income's got to be 200000 That doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make, I, I doubt very much the average income of people in Burwood is 200000 if the average price of houses in Burwood is a million bucks. So that's what you've got to do. That's what you look at. And if you're looking to buy a good bargain or you're looking to buy in an area that's got upside, go into an area where the house to pricing, 
the price to uh, income ratio is less than five or less than six or less than seven. But definitely don't be trying to buy it more than eight. So I don't agree with what the Treasurer said. Yes, on an average overall Australia, house prices are still affordable. Yes, in other words, you can find somewhere where it's affordable. Get it. You know, but that's a, that is a, an average piece of data and therefore it's an average proposition, an average hypothesis, and it means nothing. People don't buy houses in Australia. They buy houses in Burwood. I don't buy houses in the average Australia. I buy it in a particular place and I buy it at a time when the price-to-income ratio is representing a particular number. And that's the only thing that you should be looking at, nothing else. Right, here we go. Eagle's Nest. Well, I guess what I'm doing here is I'm launching my own show, which is pretty cool. Uh, we're filming it. We're recording it. Uh, we're going to send it out to the people who listen to the podcast and the video cast from now on. Um, I've got two people that are going to come in today. They're going to come in the studio. We're going to film them. They're going to do a pitch. I'm going to ask them some questions and uh, I'm going to sort of record it and uh, make it, take a view down the track as to whether or not this, these particular individuals are worthy of a $10,000 investment from me. And uh, by the way, I, they're here to ask questions as well. They can ask questions from me as well. So I'm going to ask them questions. They're going to ask me questions. There's a three-minute pitch, probably about another three minutes worth of Q&A. Um, it's pretty, we're pretty lucky that uh, my first guest today is Ed Cowan, Australian test cricketer, who has set up a business selling coffee machine pods, which is pretty cool. And my second guest is Salome Borg, um, whose video we reviewed last week. Her business is Boom Payband, and she's travelled from Queensland to join us today, which is very cool that she's done that. Um, I guess well, the first thing we should do is get Ed in and have a talk to him. Thanks for having me. You're welcome, mate. Um, this looks very Mexican. Ray Gaucho and uh, Black Panama. Yeah, they're two of our best sellers. What are they, mate? Tell me they're, about They're Nespresso-compatible capsules. Okay, so, give it to me. Uh, we were very keen to produce a high-quality uh, coffee in a capsule that was recyclable and affordable. So there, there are three key pillars. The capsules are Nespresso, uh, Nespresso compatible capsules, so they go into the Nespresso hardware, which is by far the best uh, coffee capsule machinery out there. Uh, the capsule was designed specifically for that machine, and so a lot of uh, R&D went into uh, making a hermetically sealed capsule, which, as you see, if you, if you open up the box... Um, a lot of, well, pretty much 90% of all other capsules aren't sealed like that. You have to take a, a foil overlay over the capsule uh, and rip it off, which which is obviously not very good for the environment. So those capsules are recyclable. We're about 30% cheaper than our major uh, high-end competitor, uh, and the quality's there. So we service quite a few five-star hotels, a hotel that uh, was voted the best hotel in the world under 50 rooms, uh, so there are, there are a couple of angles to our business. One's retail, uh, one's hotels, one's small business where we do subscriptions and we add in the machine. And then we've, we've got something evolving where we kind of see capsules as almost as merchandise. So you're a rooster's man, uh, plenty of, plenty of supporters rather than buying, you've got your beanie, your scarf. Why wouldn't you buy a rooster's coffee capsules as well? So we're kind of, we, we kind of see cracks in the market that we think, can be serviced and, and in different ways to uh, to your traditional, you know, business that is purely a coffee business. We see ourselves as a marketing business, a merchandise business, and 
you know, for you to have great coffee at home at, at really good prices. Actually, that's pretty cool because, uh, I mean, I think those people listening should, should bear this in mind that the hallmark of disruption is not necessarily creating something that no one else has ever done before, but actually taking what someone else has done before using sort of semi-unique technology but marketing it as a better product and actually hitting the price line. So your pricing? Yeah. So we, uh, as I said, generally 30% less than Nespresso. So I love it. That kills me, the Nespresso pricing. Kills me. Yeah. Well, basically... Where do I get it from? How do I get it from you? See, this is where... So at the moment, you can buy online. Yeah. You can go into a high-end grocer like a, a uh, Harris Farm and get it, or if you live in Melbourne, a Lamana Direct, or in Tassie, a, a Hill Street grocer. So that high-end sort of provador. Uh, we're talking to the majors, um, not with much success. They don't really like the whole startup vibe. Uh, so online, at the moment, we've got a few pop-up stores in Westfields. Uh, so this week, we're at Warringah Mall. Two weeks' time, we're at Miranda. So it's about getting it in people's mouths at the moment because everyone that tastes it loves it. They love the recycling aspect. They love the price and they love the quality. Can I, can I ask you this? Um, is there much difference? That, that's a good coffee, so, which you just made for me now. Is there, and I'm a bit of a coffee perv. So is, is there much difference between the taste of, say, your coffee and an espresso coffee? Because, I mean, I've got an espresso machine. Yeah. I use an espresso capsules only because I don't know why I do it. Oh, because I've been at Woolworths. Well, I've been at Woolworths a few it. times. I yeah. bought the wrong bloody ones. I think they, they work and they don't work. Shocking, yeah. Um, but I just, you know, I figure, well, an espresso machine and espresso coffee is probably meant to taste that way. That tastes as good as anything I've t- tried from an espresso. An espresso, so is there much in the coffee or is it more about the price, the convenience, and all those other things you can do with it. Yeah, so we we think the most important thing is quality because, as you know, coffee people are pretty sticky. If they don't like the coffee, it doesn't matter how it's packaged, what the price is, they ain't drinking it. So for us, the quality is paramount. We've got some award-winning roasters out at Western Sydney that do all the, the roasting. It's obviously uh, in a capsule, it's a freshness issue as well. How do you keep the coffee fresh? So that's 18 months shelf life. Now let me just stop you there. So really what you're saying is, Mark... We're not trying to make it better than an espresso, but it's equivalent. That's exactly right. It's an right. equivalence argument. So That's exactly right. <coughs> we think we're on par. Okay, so you're equivalent. So that, that's good. That's a big tick. And everyone who's listening to this should understand. Equivalence is important. The next thing I'm looking for is price. So the coffee you're drinking, you go to the website, it's 50, uh, 54 cents a capsule, $5.40 a box of 10. Relative to? So Nespresso Basic. Uh, offering is 66 cents for I think they've got four blends at, at 66 cents all the way up to 88 cents for their special offerings which you know is ridiculous. Just marketing bit bullshit. Uh, yeah. That's exactly right. Okay, so okay, convenience. Am I going to be able to get the thing? A Kerry Pag once said to me, said, "Son, don't do all the fancy advertising. Just tell me the price and where I'm going to get it." Yeah. Um, so I now know the price. I know the equivalent equivalent. Where do I get it? So the easiest way is the young generation, obviously online. Uh, we've got. I'm online too, by the way. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm including you. Yeah, yeah, quite savvy. I love it. Uh, so you can get online. We'll have it too in Sydney the next day. Uh, we've got a, a great tripod coffee club where we've got an app uh, and, and some great technology around. You can get a text saying, by our estimations, you are running low. Would you like to reorder? Hit the button. Yes. Order processed. On your door the next day. Name? Tripod coffee. Fucking love it. It's, it's great. Seriously. Good on you. It's Thanks. very cool. It's disruptive. Um, you just got to get the awareness out there. It's, it becomes an awareness game now for you. Correct, yeah. You've got to get people to know about it. Yeah. And, uh, that but costs I, money. I, I, can, well, <laughs> I know it costs money, and what you're trying to do is raise money. Next step, raise the dough yeah. 
and build a campaign. That's it. It's about raising the dough and building a campaign. I think from a funding point of view, we're pretty comfortable. We're just about building partnerships of people. We don't pretend that we know everything. We want good people helping out that we can bounce ideas off. And we've found some really good people, but we're always on the hunt for for good people to, to help us out. Um, you know, money's one thing. and But for us, I think it's money's one pillar and the other pillar is, is relationships. Have any dark days, dark nights... Putting this together? Uh, yes and yes and no. Uh, I, I've, from my experience, I, I don't know if you know, but my, my background experience in sport. Mm, I do know. Yeah. Um, it would be silly if I didn't know it. So well, you can't expect anything, can you? you know, That's true. You walk into a room. Yeah, my mate, I don't. As a, as a, yeah, you walk into a room as a, as a coffee salesman, not a <laughs> not a cricketer. Uh, so I think I've learnt to, to deal with adversity pretty well, and I'm a, a pretty resilient character. And so is my business partner, Steve, who, who has that background as well. So we see those moments as opportunities, of, as reflection points of why are we here and how do we get out of this hole quickly? And it's that um, cognitive, uh, cognitive flexibility around, right, let's move things quickly here so we don't sit there dreaming, oh, God, this, this, this sucks, this is shit, what, what we, we're out of there. How important is that partner, business partner? Very, very important, I think. Bounce ideas. I think that there's an element of trust. So we open the batting together for Tassie. So we've already got that that element of trust together. Uh, you know, it's like running between the wickets, or you know, we're there together. He's creative. I'm very analytical. So I, he couldn't do what he does without me, and I couldn't do what I do without him. So it's it's a good little partnership in that sense. Because I always I, I agree with you. I've always had the view it's I'm best in partnership with someone. I don't like being out there on my own. Because I just think you get I mean, when those doubt days come when you're, you know, you're completely, you know, brain fucked and you're sort of sitting around, you know, having sort of a, you know, brain damage because someone's annoying the shit out of you. Um, having a partner there is like-minded and even if he or she feels the same. That's right. He can actually complain to each other about it. It's pretty important. And also they rev each other. Day you come in, he's down, yep. you might rev him up, he might rev you up the next day. To me, it's sort of critical. And yeah. also being critical of each other. That's Absolutely. I think that honesty is... Is, uh, has to be a, a key pillar of strength in any business. You need to be, look yourself in the mirror, but the other bloke in the mirror, and in sports teams, good sports teams, it happens a lot, mate. You're not pulling your weight. Yeah. And it happens like that. There's, there's no bitching behind someone's back. There's no good sports teams and good cultures. You tell it to them straight and you tell them to them once and they lift their game. And that's the same we, we find in business. If one of us isn't doing their fair share or, or contributing how they should be, you cop it. And we've got to be able to cop it too. Absolutely, yeah, it's, it's constructive. You know, it's constructive, and you cop it, and you're right. He's on, and I'm on. Let's get moving. Well, this is fantastic. I really like it. I wish you the best. Um, you know what we're going through the next ten weeks. So, f- to, for us to start off talking to you about something like this, it's awesome. Thanks. Good luck to you. Thanks, Mike. Cheers. G'day, Salami. Thanks for coming in. Salami Borg is here to pitch to me about Boom Payband. Um, I looked at this uh, about 10 days ago. I put it on the show last week. I thought it was one of the best pitches I've seen for a long time. She's pretty polished, but she seems a bit nervous. <laughs> but don't worry about it, man. It's all good. And uh, and I really appreciate you coming down from Queensland. This Thank is you for cool. having me. You're cool. So go for it. Hi, I'm Salome Borg, director of Boom Payband. 
our companies in the finance industry specialising in cashless payment, a bit like tap and go, but especially convenient for active people like joggers, cyclists, swimmers and surfers. Over the last three years, we've researched cashless technologies with world-leading inventors and business leaders as our mentors. Active people have embraced innovations such as wearable devices to measure their body movement through exercise, and our research has revealed three main problems. Nowhere to store cash while jogging, cycling, swimming, surfing, or just hanging at the beach. Too many reward cards to carry around, and fear of their cards being skimmed or wallets being lost or stolen. We solve these problems by combining existing payment technologies to create a prepaid debit card in the form of a wristband, or what we call payband. Money is loaded onto your payband so you don't have to worry about where to keep your cash while enjoying your activity. Payband will identify which cafe or store you're using to redeem your reward points. And your payband is not your main bank account, so you are in control of the amount that you want stored on your payband. Boom Payband came about when my husband and I got sick of going to the beach and not having anywhere to store our cash. So he frustration kicked in when he had to lock our wallets in the car and walk all the way back to the car to get money when the kids wanted an ice cream. And we thought there's got to be an easier way. So we set out to create something out of nothing. It's been an exciting journey and negotiations are well underway for Payband to roll out into Australia, New Zealand, UK and USA with future versions that will include the storing of medical details to communicate life-saving information in the event of an accident. Payband is so close we can touch it. So today I'm asking for financial investment. We are seeking $2 million over three financial years. We want people to feel cool, in control and secure with their cash on hand, which is the payband. Well done. Good. Good on you. Thank you. Now, Thank you very much. I, I'm curious about this. So, so are, we, are you talking about effectively a debit card that's embedded into a wristband? That's is correct. Is that the best way to describe it? Definitely. Yeah, okay. Yes. So um, the technology for the, for the debit card is that – Generally accepted technology. In other words, is it, techn- is it unique technology or is it technology that is pretty much ubiquitous and you can get done anywhere? So it's, someone's going to say, oh, well, that, that's a worry because it's never been done before. Yes or no. Basically, it's the chip that's on your current um, key card, yep. your debit card, your MasterCard. Anywhere that MasterCard and tab, um, Visa are accepted, yep. that's where that chip can work. However, we have a chip that is – it's the way it's remotely activated that, ma- that is the point of difference. So it's not – we've had to change the whole form factor. So this has been the headache through, you know, going through financial institutions, getting knocked back and all that. Like, who are you, little girl, to now change a key card now into a, a wristband? So we've had to jump through a whole lot of hoops to get to this point where now we found an issuer, a bank, who have come on board and said, yep, you know oh, so what, you got we're going to do that. That's correct, Good yes. Girl. So that's, that's great. That, yep. That's really important. So we've got important. an issuer and a provisioner. Right. Uh, so well, what's a provisioner? Provisioner is uh, where the chip actually turns on. So okay. they do that. Yep. It's waterproof? It's waterproof. It's Heatproof, sunproof, heat, All of those proofs. It's, okay. Mm. Okay. And, uh, um, and where would you, do you, I mean, do you get it, get it issued by the bank or, I mean, where do you get this card, this band from? Yeah, so basically it is a bank product. So that's the back end. But it will be branded Boom or it could be white labelled. So, um, and we're looking at partnerships more for distribution. Uh, so it just depends. I mean, would I go and buy it like I go and buy one of those 
um, monitors that monitor my heart rate and how far I walk. Do I go and buy it from um, uh, Rebel or do I? Yeah, go- you could go into, say, for example, I mean, it's Lorna Jane or, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. or Nike and you can have it branded that way. Yeah, so they could brand it that they way. They can brand it that way, sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so I'm not, I'm not going to go and buy one and, and then go to my bank and say, look, I just want you to um, no. activate this. No. It has to be activated by the, the bank. Who wishes it issues it and has to be then and then it can be branded by Lorna Jane or Nike or somebody like that. That's correct. Okay, so and you're talking big deal here. We're talking big deal. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So that and the two million you need over. Did you say three years? Over three years. And yes. what is that like? Uh, you know, evenly over three years, or is it? A uh, so basically, seven hundred and fifty to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would basically bring on a CEO to take it to the next level. It will um, let us do our industrial design. We've we've had a prototype made about a year and a half ago and it's evolved since then. So industrial design, the manufacturing, um, packaging and basically all the bits to, you know, to have it come out. So this is a global business you're talking about. Potentially global business anyway. Um, So... Have you decided you should start off in one territory and test it? For example, start off in Adelaide and test in Adelaide or New Zealand, or are you, you know, how are you going to go about this? Are you just going to uh, find someone who's going to take it under license? Is that what you're thinking about? Gold Coast, Gold Coast is where we will be starting. We do have um, a, a well-known brand out there um, that says Gold Coast, also a NRL team uh, that will be. Potentially. Okay, so you're, you're a long, you're a fair long we, way we along are. the journey. There. Yes. Um. Yeah. So definitely. that's good. So you've got somebody who you can sort of trial it on. Yes, there'll be participants, and the the band will already be preloaded with funds. So we will do all the the back end for you know a few weeks, probably eight to ten weeks, and then when it's nice and pretty, we'll then give it to these ambassadors, and they go out, and we basically we need them to tweet and you know do that. And You've just been to San spend. Francisco. No, can I? You want to go? Yeah, let's, let's go. go. Right, um, let's go. We're off. But seriously, I mean, because that, that's there. I mean, I, I, my gut feeling here mm. right, is that you need an, an angel investor. F- the type of angel investor you need is the sort of one who's used to doing big, big deals. Yeah. You know, like uh, we're talking Twitter, Instagram, that sort of angel investor. And they all reside, they don't reside in Australia. They all reside in San Francisco mm. or somewhere around that territory. They're all in New York because they're people who are used to making big, big bets. Okay. No, two million is not a big bet, but big. What I mean by big bet is betting two million on a big deal. Yeah. You know something is going to be huge, um, and they also have the the cachet to get other people to pay attention. Okay. I mean it's a good idea to do Gold Coast. I get it. Mm. Because um, you just want to test that yourself. Yeah. You know, make yeah. sure you got something to take with you to uh, San Francisco. But my my gut feeling is you need to get in front of somebody in. In the valley, you know, mm. um, we don't have that access in Australia. A lot of Australians always come up with these great ideas, and we all, always run into a brick wall. And we all and the good ones that do well end up going over there. So you might want to start to consider that, and uh, you know, we may be able to get some names for you for people who go and see. But look, ultimately, this is the sort of thing that Google should be doing. Right, this is a Google deal. Yeah, you know, and uh, but what you got to do is you got to get them excited. They won't be excited That's at this right. stage. Yeah, so we're definitely looking to uh, trial in, into the Australian active market first. Um, that's why we've chosen that active market because that's where active means joggers, cyclists, ah, right, swimmers, right. surfers, because um, they're not they don't carry their phone while they're surfing. No, um, so they just come out and go doom. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, does it? And just look, tell me, this technology? Does it just? Do you just swipe it over? A, Anywhere a, there's that tap and go cashless. Yeah. You know. Um, What's it called? We just pay wave, pay wave. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, pay wave. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, give me some practical examples where it might be useful. So, for example, um, I get up this, this morning, 
Am I going to go for a run? I put it on. That's right. Why would I use it? Because you don't want to carry anything. Now, where would I use it, for example? Where you can go to your local coffee shop after you've had your run, just go doop, or you can turn around and go to Woolies and do your little, you know, bread, milk, all of that, or even, say, for example, Surf Life Saving, they could have, you know, um, Johnny with his little band and he can go get his lunch at the surf club. And does it yeah. register... Uh, does it register the kid? Like, in other words, does it take any more data from you? Does it just does it just um, debit you, debit your card, or does it take other data from you? In other words, it says Johnny turned up to uh, Surf Life Saving today at nine am on a Sunday morning at the Nippers, um, which means Johnny's now been registered for the day. Can you do other stuff with it? You will get the data. It's a bank account, right. so but you are transferring the amount that you want stored on there. So it's not open. So mummy can have full control and say, Johnny, you've got $50. And then when she gets her statement, she could see what Johnny has spent okay. and where he's been. Okay. Yep. And how does uh, the kid at the surf club, how does he top it up? He has to get, can he top it up himself? All accounts can be linked. Yep. So mum can top up for him or he can top up himself. Right. So it's through an app. Account. Yep. Or and so it's app driven? We, we have to. You're working on the app yeah, now? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, this is a, like, what's your background? I mean, from the travel industry. <laughs> Well, you, you and your husband have come up with a huge Thank idea. You. Thank it's you. It's a huge idea. Yep. I mean, it's potentially has a, has the ability to change the way we carry around our credit cards. Nothing annoys me more than having to carry yep. a credit card around. I usually just, well, I should say, I'm going to leave it in my car. Yes. I know someone's going to probably nick my car now because I'm at the fucking cross. So <laughs> His probably wallet's in there. Left. His wallet's in there. Um, <laughs> then I then I say, oh, sometimes I'll, I'll carry some cash around. So I've got cash. I've got a car. Uh, credit my card. Uh, credit card in my car. It's a pain in the neck. I have to go back to your car, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I've got not a dollar on me at the moment. Mm. Lucky Ed Cowan came in and gave me a free cup of coffee. <laughs> um, and uh, But on my wrist, I would wear it, definitely. Is it bulky? No. It, the initial prototype is. It's a watch face, but we're working on having it slimmer. Right. And yes. um, I guess Apple, you know, being such a big mover in this sort of wearable stuff, mm. um, is another key potential partner for you. I mean, mm. as an owner, I would have mm. thought. Yes. So what are your aspirations? Where do you want to end up? What, what do you want this to do for you? Oh, for you personally? Me personally? Oh, so much. I don't even, I what just, is it for? What's it about? What do you want to happen? I want to know that I've been able to do this thing. Like I, I'm, not, I'm not ego-driven. So it's like I can take it to a certain level, but I need other people to come in and like a CEO type, and I'm just going to be a shadow. I'm just going to follow them around and learn and, um, yeah, and basically just see this company just grow and be – I mean, if somebody takes it over, buys me out in 10 years' time or whatever, but I still want a little dot in there to have my foot in there and just play around. Um, but I just, I've just, i just pushed so many boundaries and I don't take no for an answer. I just think, what do you mean you can't do it? You mean someone else can do it? So I just keep going. How long have you been working on it for? Three years. Three years. Yes. Um, I'm in front of you. How cool is that? Yeah, that is good. Well, it's good from my point of view. Um, yeah. You know what's interesting about these things? Um, a lot of people say, well, I've been working on this for three years and nothing's mm. happened. I know I, I worked on my Yellow Brick Road business for four years before I even got a, before I even got the first investor involved. Okay. So you've got to be patient. I mean, yes. that's a really important part of yes. this, patience. Mm. You're not talking about um, – you're not like Ed where you can start producing these things now and yeah. getting them into shops and stores. Um, your business can't just start off small. It has to start off big. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to take you a bit of time. Yeah. So you have to be really patient with this. You mm. have to get in front of the right people. Now, it's this is cool because we're building some awareness now and I can, might be able to put you in, point you in the direction of some people in, in the valley in the US. But I think you have to, at some stage, get a technology partner okay. who can actually help you get in front of these organisations who bring sort of cachet with them and or sort of uh, uh, cred. 
Yes. You need to get cred. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying you're not, you're not uh, credible. No, I understand. You need yep, to get cred. Definitely understand. Um, you need, you know, this needs to be bulked up. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I think of the organisations like Telstra. I mean, Telstra would be a good organisation to put this in front of you. Have you been to the Telstra um, technology um, pod that they have? No. Have you spoken to anyone at Telstra? Not yet. Well, we'll definitely um, send your stuff across to Telstra. Thank you. And uh, what's the name of the guy, Nick? Uh, is it, uh, who's Andy the best? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll send across to Telstra because I think, and Telstra have a technology pod where they actually do startups, tech, but they're, they're, it's full on. Okay. And it's really cool. I have my pitch deck ready. Yeah, well, that, 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 <laughs> they sit you down and they actually support you and help you through it. And it's okay. a great initiative by Telstra. Um, we might even talk to NAB. Uh, what's NAB got now at Western Sydney, at the University of Western Sydney? What are they proposing? They've got their village uh, in Melbourne. Um, Melbourne, is it? Yeah, right. Which And they're going to be launching their Sydney uh, village, which will be based at the University of Greater Western Sydney. Yeah, so I think, Salami, what you need to do is you need to expose yourself. That's a bad word. But, uh, you know. I'm get across. <laughs> and it is early morning. But get out there and uh, and uh, be, this is a good start, but be amongst more many more people, but be involved with those organisations like Telstra and NAB who have... Um, you know, really broad shoulders okay. and they can actually push these things along awesome. and they give you cred, they give you a business cred, therefore the idea gets cred um, and you need someone to be back testing your technology. Yes. I mean, because the first thing someone's going to worry about is putting the money and the whole thing fails and mm. I'm not saying it will, but, mm. you know, technology does fail technology, yeah, yes. and, it, and it gets outdated quickly. So that the money, whilst it will get you a good CEO, um, I would have thought the CEO needs to have a good technology background too. Yes. And um, finding that CEO is critical to you. Yes. Um, it's got to be a CEO who can run a profit and loss account. It's got to be a CEO who convince investors that the money will be spent on <coughs> the right things, et cetera, the, you know, and, or valuable things, things that are going to go forward. A lot of investors don't like CEOs just to take a big wage mm. from the investment they make. Okay. Um, they get worried about that. They like to know that the CEO is going to, say, take 150 grand a year and uh, is going to invest his time up to three, four hundred thousand dollars a year in terms of time and for equity or something along those yes. lines. Structuring how you employ your CEO is really important. So if you go, I mean, if you went along to me and you said, "Look, I'm looking for two million, and the first thing I do, I've got to pay CEO five hundred thousand, I'd freak out because I'd say, "Okay, one quarter of that amount of money is going to be in CEO's pocket. He's going to be working it for three years, so that's actually three quarters of the money he's going to pay this guy. Only half a million of it is going to be invested in, my, in the business, which is all I'm interested in. So I'm looking for you to come along with a CEO who, in the pitch, not to find the money." to find a CEO, but come along with the CEO and the CEO stands there right next to you and he says, look, Mark, I'm prepared to do this for 100 grand a year, mm. but I want 5% equity. Okay. And Mark, you the investor will put 2 million in, therefore of the 2 million, only 300,000 is going to go to pay my wages. The mm. 1.7 is going to be invested in the business. Yeah. And this is how it's going to be invested. And these are the outcomes we're going to get. And the business today, if you're investing 2 million, Mark, is worth... Let's say I get 10% for 2 million, which means you know, the, the business might be worth 30 million or 25 million. CEO tells me why it's worth that, not you, you're the yeah. proprietor. CEO, you tell me why it's worth mm. that amount of money. How did you come up with that? What's the future cash flows look like? What's the investment going to look like? As opposed to just, because you've got to be careful, you don't want to look like it's just an idea at the moment. Right. You want to look like it's a business today and someone's investing in a business. Yes. Okay? Yes. So, let me, one of the things I was thinking about is the um, industrial design. In other words, not the technological. Um, uh, hypothesis that surrounds all this, but the industrials, in other words, what it looks like, feels like, how bulky it is, blah, blah, blah. It's wearability is yes. probably the thing I was going to say. Um, I've got a business in Brisbane, and you're from Queensland. Yes. Okay, so I've got a business in 
business in Brisbane, which uh, Glenn runs for me, and I will get you to go and see Glenn. Glenn is a world-class, our business is a world-class industrial design company. Nice. They do industrial designs for all sorts of businesses, uh, particularly in relation to wireless-type businesses. Now, yours is around that territory, mm-hmm. um, but the industrial design of that is very important. The wearability is really important. I'm going to get you to go and spend a couple of hours with Glenn and just see whether or not there's something in that for us. Fantastic. Uh, whether or not we might be interested in throwing a bit of time at this in return for something. Okay. I don't know what that something is. That'll be up to you and him. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't mind getting his view on where you are with the prototype because that Brilliant. wearability is the most important. So I'll get you in front of Glenn in the next couple of weeks, okay? Fantastic. I'm screaming on the inside. Cool. I appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Um, you're definitely in the running for the $10,000 prize. Not that that's going to you know, change your life or anything, but, yeah. but oh. what's important here... What's important here is that if you have some ideas you want to pass by me, you email you. me and I'll Yay. definitely answer them for you. Thank you. Thanks very uh, much. What about you. advisory board? Be on my board? Thank Appreciate you. It. Congratulations to Ed and Salome for coming in today and having the opportunity to talk to Mark face-to-face. If you are a startup, if you are a small business, you've got a great idea, you want advice, you want support, send in your video pitch via YouTube to Eagle's Nest so that you could have the opportunity to come in here with us at the studio in King's Cross and see Mark face-to-face. Pitch for three minutes and have a Q&A session with Mark. Send your videos to mb at markboris.com.au or you can send them via Twitter at Mark Boris. What's on my mind? Mark, we, we had a talk last night about a couple of things, about time management. I was reading an article the other day about Mark Zuckerberg and, and, and some of the decisions that he tries to... Uh, not have to make in his day so that he, he can save time focusing on his business. He was asked, why do you wear the same grey T-shirt and pair of jeans day in, day out? And there's a particular, there's a, there's a, a style with Mark Boris. There's uh, the, the white shirt and the, and the black suit. Is that part of you t- time, your time management, taking the, the worry of fashion out of things, always looking sharp? Um, everyone thinks it's some sort of branding I'm trying to produce. It's not it's actually, it's... It's just something that I know works. White shirt, dark suit. I mean, and I wear the same colour tyres, whatever suit is. And the only reason is because I'm not that fashion conscious, <clears throat> even though some people think I am. They vote me as one of the best dressed or whatever, which is an absolute fucking nonsense. Um, um, I wear it because it's easy. Um, I know it looks okay. Uh, the marketplace tell me they think it's, they give me the tick, so it's acceptable and approve, approved by the marketplace or those people who like the so-called brand of the way I dress. Um, I always wear I, – I do the same thing with everything, Jess. I mean, I'm, I, I, I get up and do the same thing every morning. I have the same routine every morning. I go to bed with the same routine every night. Um, I go and do the same things every day during the day. I wear the same clothes every day. I always buy the same car. I shop at the same shops. I do everything the same. And the reason I do that is because I can't be bothered thinking about being more adventurous because any adventure that I have is usually my business day. The adventure is not in shopping and fashion and cars and restaurants. Whatever. Restaurants. I mean, I go to the same restaurant every day. Eat um, the same thing. Eat the same thing. Go the, and you know, the same person serves me nearly every day. I go to the same cafe every day for eighteen years. 
um, because I don't have to think about what I've got to do. It, it means, conserves energy. Um, you know, every time you think, you use up energy and you need as much energy can, as you can muster for the whole of the day. So um, some people might say it's a bit boring, but it works for me. So I don't know what Zuckerberg's deal is, but uh, my deal is uh, I have, you know, 10 white shirts, all the same cut. I wear the same cufflinks. I've only got two pair of cufflinks. <laughs> I wear a pair of shoes every day for six, seven months. When they're worn, I throw them and get a new pair. I don't sort of mix this pair of shoes and that pair of shoes. I don't ever mix things up. And when I go to the gym in the morning, I wear the same. In the winter, I wear track pants and white T-shirt. In the summer, I wear, uh, you know, white T-shirt and pair of shorts and pair of runners. Uh, it's pretty simple. Mark, any any business book, Getting Ahead, How Can I Be Successful in Business, there'll always be a chapter on goal setting, so short-term, long-term. Is that something that you do in your in your business or, or personally? Uh, uh, I don't want to say this, but like, to be honest, I think it's all fucking bullshit. Um, I don't set goals. I'm not one of these guys who says, look, I want to be here in five years, I want to be there in eight years, I'm going to be here in three years, I'm going to be there in two years, I'm going to be there in the next six months. Um, I've got a general view of what I want to do, um, but I, my goal is just to make it through the day and make it through the week. Um, so, because business is sort of much more dynamic to me anyway. It's, uh, it's a moving feast. Now, I get, often get accused of being changing my mind. It's not. I'm just reassessing the situation all the time, literally over and over and over in a day. So, therefore, um, I am changing my mind, but it's not for fickled reasons. It's because my environment requires me to. So, uh, I'm not – therefore, there's no point setting a goal. I'm going to have a, a lofty objective. You know, I want to sell this business or I want to take over that business. Um, but they're, they're what I call lofty objectives as opposed to goals, fixed goals, which I've got to be driven towards getting. I think the most important thing is you get up today and you do today. And you get up tomorrow and you do tomorrow. Um, planning, you know, that doesn't mean, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't have budgets. I mean, we have, I have regulatory environments which require budgets and all those sorts of things. We have all those, but I'm talking about personal goals here. I don't have personal goals which I'm, madly trying to striving to achieve I just my main goal I guess is to get up and, and complete today properly is that in the from the position that you're in now did you ever set goals when you were starting out was it no. I, I want to be doing this in five years ten never years? never never set goals hmm. never have never have set goals I mean the only thing that I remember where I had an objective but it was a lofty objective was when I was 15 or 16 years of age um, I decided I want to all the kids at my school, and in my football team, but I only just started playing footy, had all been asked to go on trial for the SG ball side at Canterbury Bankstown. In those days, I called the Berries, uh, not the Bulldogs. And um, and I wasn't sort of that into the um, the rugby league group. I mean, I was a, you know, my parents, my dad wouldn't play rugby league, he was a Greek, they play soccer. Um, so I, didn't re- I wasn't really getting that much encouragement at home. Mum was one of three girls, so she didn't really understand sport at all. So... Um, but all my mates were, their parents were pushing me to play this game of uh, rugby league, play SG ball for Canary Bankstown. And, uh, and I actually felt a little bit left out, so I decided I want to play in the side. And uh, I had, I remember I had this really lofty goal of actually getting in the side. So one of my teachers at school, Mr. Keeble, um, he said, look, you've got to put a bit of weight on. So he said, go and get these, uh, he got these iron bars, you know, like maybe 
10 kilos. I don't know what they weigh. And he told me to do a few exercises. And I went madly doing these exercises all through the summer and everything like that. For And the trial started in March or something like that. And uh, I didn't, I, I wasn't one of those kids who was asked to come and join the squad. I um, mean, you know, like everyone got an invitation to join this SG ball squad. I know how it works today because I'm on the board of Roosters. I, I, we, we have, you know, we get these players, development squads and all sort of stuff. And uh, I was a bit put out. <laughs> and uh, eventually, one of the parents who happened to be a manager in the club at the SG, at Canterbury Banks and asked me, would I like to come along and just have a train with them? So I had this lofty goal, I want to get this SG ball side, which I ended up getting in, which is, uh, but that's one of the few only times I've actually ever had something like that. Um, where I said by the end of this you know, football season that uh, I want to be playing in that SG ball side. And I, but I'm, to be frank with you, generally speaking, after that I've never really had anything that I can remember. Uh, Mark, what sort of goals have you set when you step into the ring with Danny Green the back end of this year? <laughs> to survive. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> well they're, they're personal goals, Nick. So they're personal – no, they're not personal goals. They are fighting – in the ring for me against someone like Denny Green is not to win the world championship, but as what I do every day is to make sure that I can get through the day and get through the training and actually uh, harness my own fears and make sure that I'm in a position to um, conquer the things that worry me, not just by dump, jumping in the ring with Danny, mm. but just what I do at work. So it actually reinforces in my mind you've got to take on big challenges and put yourself out there. And put yourself out there. And it doesn't matter how big the challenge is. What's made it worse for me with Danny, Danny's gone off and he's having a world title fight on the 19th of July, which I didn't realise he was going to do. I thought he might sort of be like semi-retired. Then he's come straight back into it, so he's going to at least be fitter than I am, which I thought I might be able to get him on the fitness stakes, but um, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, but that's okay. It's cool. Um, I just say the view, I really don't care what it is that I'm going to do. I'll do anything. That's probably why I don't go and have to set goals for myself. I'll do anything and I'll do whatever it takes to get there. Looking forward, this is the week ahead. Okay, Jess, uh, we haven't had much data recently, much economic data other than all the the bereavement that's coming out of Greece at the moment. Um, and it's actually giving me brain damage to the newspapers. I mean, it's just too much of it. It's ridiculous. Everyone's got a view on it. Um, What's coming up next week for us? We've got some solid figures, Mark. We've got the balance of trade, which is coming out on Thursday, the retail figures on Friday and the all-important RBA interest rate decision on Tuesday. Okay, so we're going to get a whole lot of stuff next week, just in time for us to do our podcast next Wednesday. Um, and you want to give us a wrap-up now, Jess? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's great. We've got a, a very special guest coming on. We have pilot captain Richard DeCrepney. Now, he incredibly managed to safely land a Qantas A380 in Singapore a few years ago after an engine exploded and all 496 people on board were fine. Uh, he, he's going to come in and, and talk to us. He's written a book uh, about crisis management and leadership and he's going to come in and share that with us next week. Well, all those views can be well applied to business. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be cool. And make sure that you keep sending in your videos. We'll review more next week and uh, invite some more guests on the show the following week. Okay, keep going, Sligo. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter, at Mark Boris. And find out more at markboris.com.au. Listener.